Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Racism. Xenophobia. White supremacy. Healthcare protections hanging by a thread. Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality. Peaceful people being separated from their families. And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear. Before it's too late. coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. You can also join us in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan and go to the episode page. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, and concerns, etc. on the show thread at liberaldan.com, or you can respond on the Facebook page Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan or at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter. Uh, we'll get to the topics of the show, but at first, this week's headlines. On the last episode of Liberal Dan Radio, Donald Trump was reported to be taking a stab at changing birthright citizenship. Not only did he fail at doing that, he insulted the troops while doing so. More on that, more on later. Trump wannabe and British Prime Minister Boris Johnson may very well turn out to be the shortest tenured prime minister in UK history. He lost a vote after conservatives, including Winston Churchill's grandson, voted with the Liberal Party. And a prime minister losing a vote tends to mean doom for said politician. Life across the pond is quite lively. Hurricane Dorian continues its path of destruction up the U.S. coast today after striking the Bahamas for over 24 hours. President Trump said that he'd never heard of a actual Category 5 hurricane, despite having had said that before and having hurricanes exist at that level during his presidency. Let's listen. We love the people of Florida, and they went through something that, I guess the likes of which we can really say nobody's ever seen before. They've never seen a category like this come in, because it came in really at a 5. It was a Category 5. I never even knew a Category 5 existed. And uh, they uh, they suffered greatly. They say they've never seen winds like this uh, anywhere. Got hit as a five, category five storm, which literally never happens. The second one hit Puerto Rico as a category five. I don't believe anybody's ever seen that happen before. It's like having hundreds of tornadoes, the winds. So we've never seen it. It actually touched down as a category five. People have never seen anything like that. And this has been... A Category 5, which few people have ever even heard of. A Category 5. 
Nobody's ever heard of a five hitting land. We saw the devastating effects of that Category 5 hurricane. Category 5. Never heard about Category 5s before. Category 5 is big stuff. I'm not sure that I've ever even heard of a Category 5. I knew it existed, and I've seen some Category 4s. You don't even see them that much, but a Category 5 is something that uh, I don't know that I've ever even heard the term other than I know it's there. That's the ultimate, and that's what we have, unfortunately. And that was the most recent one that was in that playing and that in that audio was from now and earlier on in the audio was from 2017. Donald Trump is a Category 5 disaster, that's for certain. Can we please invoke the 25th Amendment or get impeachment or something? Clearly he's unfit to sit in that office. There's something wrong with that head up there and it's not just a matter of what, what he believes in. I mean, he, that is just insanity. Walmart is removing certain ammunition from stores and asking people not to open carry in their stores unless they are law enforcement. Pretty soon, the only way you'll be able to get a gun is via unregulated gun show sales without background checks. If only there was a way to take care of those loopholes. Mm-hmm. In health news, a teenager has gone blind after living on junk food for years. Typically, it's another activity that causes teenagers to go blind. In science news, finally, a planet three times the size of Jupiter was found over 100 light years away. That's about 63 times larger than Uranus. And that is this week's headlines. So... We're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Uh, first thing, let, let's talk about that first part of the headlines. Donald Trump and his uh, naturalization issue that he, he initially said he wanted to end birthright citizenship, and he was seriously looking forward to it. So, of course, everyone's waiting for this horrible thing to come down and him to say that we're not going to consider uh, children of criminals who come across here or whatever, or whatever he would deem as criminals, even though it's not illegal to cross the border to seek asylum that is that is within the law. It's a requirement of the law that you be on U.S. soil to declare asylum, and it's not against the law to cross the border to do so. So everyone was expecting that or something like that, or, or, or maybe not as some, something as drastic, but not what we got. But what we got was pretty damn bad as well. See, what, what, the, what the letter said was that if you are living overseas, especially for people like military folks, like if you're, if you're a woman serving in the military, or if you're a, a man serving in the military, you know, because, you know, Trump eliminated anybody else other than the gender binary from serving, they're trying to kick everyone else out, which is horrible, but time spent used to be, or actually the U.S. code actually still says that time spent living overseas in service to the country will count for calculation purposes as if you were living in the United States proper. For 
determining whether or not your children would become citizens after you became a citizen. Let's 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 take there, there are many examples that you could go with. So let's go with you're a person who is a resident of the United States, but you're not yet a citizen. You enlist in the military. You're married. So as you enlist in the military, let's say you go and bring your wife and you live overseas, or perhaps you are a woman and you're going to live overseas, or what have you, whatever it is. Or your, your spouse is not getting a, becoming a citizen, or what have you, whatever it is. Used to be that that time spent living over there would count towards whatever residency requirements would be, so that when you, if you then took your oath of not oath of office, if you took your oath of citizenship and were declared a U.S. citizen, your child could automatically be naturalized right along there with you, as long as your child was under 18 years of old age and you met the residency requirements, but you fulfilled those residency requirements when you worked as a soldier overseas. Now, the Trump administration has basically said that that no longer is going to be the case. They're not going to be considering you to be residing in the United States if you're serving in the military. And then doesn't matter if you come home to visit. doesn't matter if you own property. You could take leave and come back to your house if you have a house or an apartment. You could take leave and, and go live there for however long the leave is. Your leave doesn't count either. So these children would have to go through extra steps above and beyond simply because these people chose to serve in the U.S. military. I don't, what is his problem? I don't get it. I just don't understand. I mean, it's obvious he wants to, there's something else there. Somebody on my Facebook page said he just wants to cause as much pain as possible. And I I don't just believe that. I'm sure there's a bit of uh, massacre. Sadism there. Um, I'm sure there's a bit of, of, of enjoyment that he gets from that, and I'm sure there's there's probably some people trying to. Oh well, there's a there's a uh, people taking advantage of our system. How dare they serve in the military and, and want to protect our nation as and become citizens? And oh, well, how dare they? Their children become citizens too. It's ridiculous. And I, I called in to my, the morning radio show that I call in locally over here, a conservative show, and nobody could admit it. Nobody would, be, would say, you know what, Dan's right and Donald Trump is wrong about this. Even the host, who typically is more fair than his callers, took it upon himself to say, well, it only affects certain people. He only think, thought it affects um, He only thought that it would impact adopted children of people serving overseas. And it may very well. I mean, you might be a citizen who adopts somebody 
and then if whatever the adoption rules are when it comes to the attainment of U.S. citizenship, you it might it might affect those people as well. I didn't I didn't go down that path and research that path either. So it might be true that that is one of the ways that it could hurt people. But the other way that I was talking about is also a way, and that he seemed to ignore. So. Again, these conservatives will bend over backwards to defend every single horrible policy this person puts up because if they admit that their savior is wrong, because, they, I mean, Trump calls himself the chosen one, it's probably because, in part at least, because his followers make him believe that. They promote that idea because he's infallible in their eyes. Everything he does is great. It's the best thing ever. Anyway, enough about him. More on the other thing. Normally, I'd wait till after the first commercial break uh, to do words of redneck wisdom. Again, words of redneck wisdom is not, these words are not things that I endorse. It's what I'm mocking. But here we go. And now, this week's words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. We often hear conservatives complain about fake news. Here in the South, we're familiar with biased and slanted news reporting. As bad as fake news is, we the people of Dixie must contend with something equally as bad, fake history. Fake history misinforms people about the South's reasons for declaring independence in 1860, and fake history condemns the founders of the Confederacy as traitors and racists. Real, true history informs the world that Southerners fought for the same principles of freedom and morality that America's founding fathers fought for, principles that Yankee leaders had largely abandoned. You have just heard more words of redneck wisdom brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. did such wonderful things, didn't they? They were fighting for morals and the same things that, that you know, the, the founding fathers of the United States fought for. And, and Confederate soldiers are American soldiers, except they're Confederate States of America soldiers and not United States soldiers, and they're traitors to their country. But, you know, they want to bury their heads in the sand and do all that lovely stuff. So I just, oh. Again, this this the further I dig down this rabbit hole, the more treasure I'm actually finding. I guess the mixed metaphors or what have you. Let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. Uh, come back, take your calls as well as well nine one four eight zero three forty one thirty one nine one four eight zero three forty one thirty one. This is uh, Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, 
a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kind of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But Budget Ears is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a rideshare driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman from New Orleans, Louisiana. To call in, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Again, usually I hit the, uh, the next bit after the next commercial break, but I do want to go ahead and run it now because it deals with the same topic uh, that I'm dealing with in this next segment. So let's listen to it real quick. This week's Tip of the Week is New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Back in 2010, Brees voiced an anti-bullying message for The Ellen Show, saying that bullies were no friends of his. In 2019, Brees voiced an ad for Bring Your Bible to School Day for Focus on the Family, a proponent of conversion therapy for LGBTQ plus folks and an all-around bully. So which is it, Drew? Are these bullies now your friends? To see who the next Tip of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Day and Radio, Talk from the Left That's Right. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. So, uh, one of our local uh, newspapers, or it's online, uh, Big Easy Magazine, uh, actually run by a friend of mine, um, they broke this story about how Drew Brees ran an ad for Bring uh, Your Bible to School Day, uh, because nothing says uh, what exactly everything we should be doing in school, you know, was learning math, learning science, helping kids evangelize to their friends, you know. But the problem is, is that the the ad he was doing it for was for focus on the family. And I've said this before, I said it again, I wish they would focus on their own damn family. Leave mine alone. Because these folks are terrible. And you could look up many examples as to why focus on the family, you know, what what they have done, you know, James Dobson. uh, There's connections there with Louisiana Family Forum and um, the the local version of it. There's also um, the other group they split from. They're just known to, they support uh, conversion therapy. Uh, for LGBTQ plus youth, they support, you know, political measures that will go against uh, equal rights for LGBTQ folks, like probably against, you know, legalizing gay marriage, for example. Marriage equality is something that they're not for. 
And, you know, back again, back in 2010, Drew Brees, you know, Ellen is from New Orleans. She loves Drew Brees. And she had him on, and they were doing some anti-bullying stuff together. And, and I, I knew Brees had a conservative streak. He kind of took a, a middle stance on the Colin Kaepernick issue. Um, I would say that I stand with Colin Kaepernick, but that wouldn't quite be accurate because he's kneeling, or he would kneel. Uh, but you know, he, he was – he was kind of trying to play in the middle and it kind of came out kind of milk toast, but it wasn't, I guess it could have been worse. There are other people who have said worse. So I'm not, you know, I wasn't too thrilled about his actions with that, but it didn't make me just go, ugh. but when you hook yourself to the, to um, focus on the family, James Dobson, and that was ilk. You you really are, are problematic, and and one of the things that I try to bring up on some of these discussions that we had about this issue was oh well the, the video itself isn't talking about uh, conversion therapy. They're not. It's not a bullying thing. It's just talking about bringing a Bible to school. What's wrong with that? Let's well, comparatively speaking, I'd much rather you bring a Bible to school than you know try and convert. Uh, gay people with pseudoscience and actually if some conversion therapist somebody who ran a conversion therapy camp or whatever just came out as gay which leads you to the the general idea which is when you wind up having people like, you can't separate the bad from the kind of bad, <laughs> as I would put it. Because, you know, if the Klan went out and decided to get behind a high, you know, and, and do the whole beautification of a highway and cleaning up litter and stuff like that, and a football player was like, did an ad for it and said, hey, support the Klan and they're cleaning up Highway 32 or whatever it is you'd probably say something about it because you, you don't stand with the Klan. And while they're not exactly the Klan, I don't see enough moral differences for me to think any differently of them. But let's go. I'm going to warn everybody who's listening right now, if, if you have dealt with things like conversion therapy or, or, or this sort of bigotry, or this you know, actions might trigger you. I, I, maybe, um, for the next uh, few minutes, you might want to kind of turn, maybe turn down the volume, go do something else for a second. Or if you're listening on the live broadcast, maybe skip the next couple of minutes uh, because I'm, I'm aware that what's, what's, what I'm about to say now, which is a retelling of a friend of mine, Caden. I've had Caden on the show before. Um, Caden is a trans male. Uh, Caden, I know, identified as a woman for a while, but I realized, okay, you know, I started transitioning. And we discussed his attempts to get surgery on the previous time he was on the podcast. And I welcomed him on him. I wanted him to tell his story. But unfortunately, his 
his uh, throat's bothering him, so I'll have to do speaking for my brother from another mother. And this is about his retelling of his time at a conversion therapy camp. His words. I was sent to this place, Mercy Ministries, which is also a receiver of Chick-fil-A. The moment I got there, I knew it wasn't okay. They took my phone and everything I had. At night, they locked us in our rooms, and in the morning, we had to spend four hours praying in silence. Lunch was a frozen hot pocket. Not, not a warmed hot pocket, but a frozen hot pocket. Then more Bible reading, reading and learning to speak in tongues. They would literally sit you in a room and make you baby talk to have you speak in tongues. Dinner was typically salad and two small chicken strips. We got to make phone calls on Sundays only, and our calls were listened to. They read any letters we got, and we were not allowed visitors. Every third weekend, we had an outing to the mall. We were carefully monitored at all times. That's when I finally got, quote, real, unquote, food. Typically McDonald's, since I was only given the money that I came in with. I got sick while I was there, and instead of taking me to a doctor, they gave me opioids as a cough suppressant and an antibiotic that I was allergic to. My mom, who is a nurse, called me one Saturday after four weeks on opioids and noticed something was off in my voice. They drove all night to get me. By the time they reached me, my organs had started to shut down from allergic reaction, and opioid damage. After I recovered, the head of the organization tried to convince me to go back. During the three months I was there, I lost 25 pounds. She harassed me for weeks until I finally threatened legal action. Now, this is obviously, I mean, I was surprised I made it through it, but this is the type of things that go on. This is not science-based at all. These people want to punish and torture LGBTQ plus youth. They want to treat them as if there's something wrong with them, which there's not. They are who they are, and that's how they're born. And... I mean, it's, it's terrifying that this could go on in this country. It's terrifying. that I mean, you still have, you know, fortunately some states are moving against these types of camps. But it, it's, it's unbelievable. And that's why I'm, you know, I find it hard to believe that Drew Brees, who – has a lot of you know, social media presence. He, he, he does more than just play football. You know, he has a charity. He, he must have people who know what this organization is about. I find it hard to believe that for as intelligent as Drew Brees is, 
that not that neither him nor the people who he surrounds himself with know what type of organization Focus of the Family is. And I'll, I'll be clear, I don't know if Focus on the Family has any connection to this particular conversion therapy camp, but it's possible you know, they have connection to others. They have promoted those at the idea of conversion therapy before. They think it's something that's a valid method to, quote, treat LGBTQ youth to try and make them be different than what they are. So that's why I have a big problem with Drew Brees and what he's done here and aligning himself with these people because they are bullies, as I said in Hypocrite of the Week. They're bullies. They will use money and power and the politicians that they have sway over and use them to harm others. That's the definition of bullying. So shame on you, Drew Brees. I expected much better than from you. And I hope that somebody can get through to you and have you renounce your connections to this horrible organization. So let me go ahead. I'm going to take another quick commercial break. Come back. We'll be having a conversation with Robert Evans, Jr., candidate for the 1st Congressional District of Illinois, taking your calls as well, 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left and right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it is 504-95... No, I'm sorry. That's my own personal phone number. (laughs) 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Wow, that was weird. 
Anyway, so <laughs> I'm gonna have to change my phone number in a second if I was gonna keep on going with that. Anyway, so I've been having, you know, for the last few weeks I've been doing the podcast. I've been wanting to bring on, bring on new, fresh candidates, progressives who are going to be wanting to change, um, maybe move the Democratic Party leftward and fight for real, true reforms for this country that's going that we really need. And this week, uh, my guest is Robert Emmons Jr. He is running in the 1st Congressional District of Illinois. And without further ado, here is Robert. Welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for having me, Dan. This means the world to me. Oh, it is my pleasure. As, as I've said before to other, other candidates that have been on, I once ran. I ran in Louisiana's 1st Congressional District. Way back in the day, about wow. fifteen years ago, about fifteen years ago, I lost. It was a very conservative district. It, it was so I had a lot more people to argue, uh, argue my point to, and to try and convince. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the person I was running up against was very popular amongst the conservatives. So, but it was yeah. a very big learning experience, and I learned a lot. Yeah. And it, it, I wouldn't take it back for anything. But I'm hoping that yeah. you could potentially be more successful than I was. So. Uh, yeah, and I, I, you probably pushed the discourse forward also. Sorry to interrupt you. I just was oh, wanted to step like in just for a so. second and say I'm sure there's, you pushed the conversation forward. There's one guy that I do I would love to be able to go back and talk to because this is in 2004. It was a year before Katrina hit, and yeah. I was my number one priority during that campaign was coastal restoration, and hurricane protection because everyone else was going to talk about all those other main issues, and I was like, exactly. he was like, this guy says. We live on the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain. It, it, that's not going to affect us. And I was like, it'll affect you when gas hit $4 a gallon. And he was like, that'll never right. happen. The next year, Katrina hit, gas hit $4 a gallon. And I wish I had his phone number. I wish I would have taken it down. I wish I would have had that foresight. So anyway, <laughs> wow. tell us what well, this is not about me. This is about you. Tell us about uh, of course. You know what, got, what your background is uh, and what got you interested in politics and, and running for this particular seat. Absolutely. Um, so again, my name is Robert Emmons Jr. I'm a social innovator, nonprofit leader, and a gun violence prevention advocate. And I'm from the south side of Chicago, and I'm running for Congress to make this the very last generation to be faced with everyday gun violence. Um, I, I came to the gun violence space um, more predominantly when I was in, uh, in college, uh, but it wasn't until my, my good friend and college roommate was shot and killed that gun violence really take a new shape for me. And I began addressing gun violence more at the root causes of it um, and, and talking more about how education and healthcare and environmental racism are all connected uh, to gun violence. So that's what our campaign has been about. Um, and it's been about calling out everyday gun violence in our community, um, which oftentimes goes missing in the national media. Um, but we believe that we can bring the voices of our community um, to, forward so we can truly, truly push our country forward um, and move towards a place where it's progressive and safe for everybody, not just a few people. Absolutely. And, you know, gun violence is not, there's not a one fixed solution to it. And I know you're on your website. No. You, know, you have, you have, I mean, from healthcare to jobs, uh, better public education, uh, ending mass incarcerations, where, you know, you basically have a re cycle of recidivism uh, currently that is not doing any, uh, doing any of us any favors. Um, even environmental justice can run into uh, causes that will make, you know, lead towards gun violence. I and mean, then you go into all there and, and you know, it, it's 
as a tech guy, I'm, I'm a software developer during the day. And as a tech guy, you know, your, so far yours is the best website that I've seen of all the candidates I've interviewed so far. So first of all, I'm impressed with <laughs> I'm that. I'm going to so. tell my communication staff that. They're going to be super thrilled. <laughs> yes. So, no, it, it's, it's better than some of the, some of the sitting congressmen that, that they're running, that those people are running against too. So no, it, it's, you, you got some good stuff on there. It, it's it's really well done. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. So. Well, well, when I was building out my team, I wanted to make sure that it was full of young people with fresh ideas um, that were oriented towards innovation and forward thinking. So we ended up bringing on some folks from the March for Our Lives movement and the Sunrise movement to really kick off our campaign. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that their thoughts are included in the, um, in the policies and reflected in how people perceive our campaign. I mean, that means a lot to us also. Yeah. I mean, good ideas and professionally done all together, just, uh, you know, a great, great package, but I mean, gun violence is not the only issue that uh, is important to you. You, you know, there's lots of other things like economic exactly. justice. Um, exactly. You know, the unions have been under attack for a very long time. People don't think that we need them anymore. You know, people are duped into believing that we don't need them anymore. Uh, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, we have, you know, you, you want to invest in infrastructure, community programs, uh, predatory lending, exactly. um, you know, to create development. Transportation without, accessibility. Yes, that is a big one, especially down here. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, Absolutely. You know, we have, you know, many cities, you know, you know, New York type cities, you know, you have good transportation for most places, but the problem comes. I've noticed this myself. I between jobs, I actually drove for Uber and Lyft, and I would notice that a lot of the a lot of the people that were needing to get around using Uber and Lyft because they don't have their own vehicles, you know, they'd be going, you know, probably spending an hour or two on a bus to get to where they needed to go, uh, you know, transferring and et cetera, uh, because they lived like 30 minutes away driving from right. where they live to where they work, mostly because their areas are getting gentrified. So, and, absolutely, um, absolutely. you know, one, actually one of, one of the interesting things that, that I, that I have liked about one of the other people that I had on there was, uh, the idea of universal rent control. Have you ever heard of that? Um, I haven't, I can imagine what it's about though. Yeah. Because problem, um, can you, you know, fill me in a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she, she would be the best person to do it, but I'll, I'll try my best. <laughs> uh, basically the idea is where, you know, you have rent control, um, and only if, if a municipality passes it, then the people just, you know, do their development at, right outside the municipality. And as such, it still winds up having an impact on those other areas. And it, and it still disenfranchises people, it still, you know, gentr- gentrifies areas. It, it makes it, you know, harder for people to live there. But with universal federal rent control, and apparently it's been done uh, at least three or four times in the history of the country. So it's already proven to be legal. Uh, we could, you know, crack down on on this sort of action, these sort of actions that would that are moving and displacing people, um, you know, who are low income and are in these areas that are getting gentrified and everything like that. It's really, you know, I'm going to push every single one of my candidates to, that I talk to 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 to, talk, to look into and consider endorsing that idea because of the fact that it, I think it would have a great impact on uh, lower poor lower middle class folks who are being just trampled over by developers. Exactly. And it makes development a little, a little less scary for communities that are 
have been typically uh, disenfranchised and um, and left out of economic development. To know that right. something is going to come to your community and it's, it is for you, not for the next group of people that see the benefits of being in your community. Uh, so that's a beautiful right. idea, and I, I would 100% support uh, that, that type of policy. I support any policy that's going to take care of the most vulnerable in our society because economically speaking, we do better when everybody does better. Uh, so it, it, makes, it just makes sense um, that we're taking care of one another and lending a hand. Right. I mean, because, you know, some people will say a rising tide raises all ships, but you have to make sure that, certain, that some of the ships are not anchored um, because they've been held down by, you know, a system that doesn't work for them. So exactly. that, that rising, exactly. that rising, Equity, that rising but, tide can make people drown. Um, you know, and exactly. a lot of, you know, my, you know, privileged self of back in the day, you know, I would hear something like, Oh, property values are raising. I'm like, Oh, that's a good thing. And then I kind of mm-hmm. realized, Oh, once Katrina happened, it, it was a big eye opener because we have, um, we had all these people in these areas. And the entirety of Katrina was man-made. All the all the destruction, most of the destruction, a lot of the flooding, at least, was man-made uh, decisions, either not turning on pumps or poor craftsmanship levy, of the yeah. 7th Street Canal. The levee yeah. broke because of poor craftsmanship, not because the water was too high. Uh, if it would have been built properly, exactly. we wouldn't have had flooding. But in that neighborhood where the levee flooded in the Lakeview area, those people were fine because they had insurance and they weren't upside down. But the people in like the Lower Ninth Ward and, and New Orleans East, other parts of, of town, they got eight feet of water and they were upside down. So when they got the, the grant to allow them to come back home, they couldn't get the full grant because they were upside down because property values, right. you know, the, 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 actual, the actual values that they had were, were at, that, at that time were less than, than what the cost to repair yeah. was. And then once they basically went up selling those lands, selling the land and the properties to developers who then caused property values to rise and more people were kept from returning. So it's, you know, exactly. looking here at the, uh, your human rights uh, page as well, um, protecting women's right to choose, equal pay for equal work. No, surpri- no surprises on that, on that page. You, you, you seem to be fairly progressive uh, when it comes to many Absolutely. of your topics that you're supporting, and which is a good thing. And so, you know, we, we definitely, you know, need more of that because I mean the, the moment you fail you know, make an exception on equality is the moment you fail to achieve it so exactly exactly um, yeah and when we were writing the oh, so go, I'm sorry go ahead no, go, no, go, go ahead go ahead yeah when we were writing the human rights uh, piece of our policy priorities it baffled me that in, in this day and age we have to include some of these really comprehensive, uh, common sense policies into our human rights stance, like a woman protecting a woman's rights to choose is something we should have solved already. We we have we have pieces of legislation that have solved it. So why are we reversing the uh, reversing what we've already uh, committed ourselves to? So it just was a shame that we had to put that into our human rights uh, policy. But uh, we're glad we did. But um, we can't wait till we live in a world in which that's just common sense um, and doesn't have to be written into a policy. Um, and the human rights portion of it. Right. Um, and one of the things I thought, well, I was actually going to bring this up earlier, but, you know, I did find it in your criminal justice section, um, you know, supporting the legalization of marijuana, uh, commuting existing marijuana sentences, expunging past convictions, 
and creating a private-public partnership to stir minority representation in marijuana community industry, um, which exactly. is is vital because you have black farmers now currently who are being left out of the uh, legalization, especially, even especially in the medicinal marijuana in states that have just moved on the medicinal part and not and and states that have complete legalization of it as well. You know these you know minority you know farmers are being you know left left out in the cold while these other people are getting the benefit from it and you know furthermore i i go one step further even and i say like when we tax the legalized marijuana that a good chunk of that change should go towards reparations about uh, for the people who were locked up for these crimes that shouldn't have been crimes in the first place um of course, I think another big chunk of it should actually just go to reparations, period. That's another subject. <laughs> Absolutely. We are 100% uh, pro-reparations. We're actually going to be releasing a plan sometime in, a, uh, sometime in the coming months um, in which we've, we've tried to get extremely creative with how we're looking at um, reparations as a means of reducing slash eliminating the racial wealth gap in our country, um, in particular in the first district, congressional district of Illinois. So TBD right. on that. Um, we have some really we have some really good ideas uh, about like credit revitalization uh, for American descendants of slaves um, and indigenous people uh, to really spur economic development and begin to reverse some of the impacts of racism and oppression in this country. So we're really looking forward to uh, sharing that with the general public and hopefully getting some more folks around the country excited about really thinking about how we can get creative with reparations in a in a way that creates sustainable. Uh, upward mobility for for folks who've been hurt by by rape, right. racism and oppression. Like I said, and you have an open you have an open invitation to come on the show if you want to announce that here first. You are more than welcome to do so. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take you up on that. All right, sounds I'm good. I'm definitely gonna take you up on that. <laughs> See now, and, and the thing is, a lot of people don't understand about reparations is is that you know the idea of oh well we don't have slavery anymore. I'm like well if you and I ran a marathon and you tied a 50-pound weight around my waist, assuming I could actually run a marathon, and you, know, you took off and you start running that race, let's say you're halfway done, and then finally we realize, oh, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have that 50-pound weight tied around Dan's, Dan's waist. Well, yeah. you already have that advantage. I'm, I'm still, even though I'm unencumbered from that weight, I still have the encumbrance of the fact that I'm still miles behind you. And that's what a lot of people right. don't get is that is that not, you don't just stop the discrimination, you know, you know, and the, and, and provide the reparations for centuries of slavery, discrimination, Jim Crow, burning of Black Wall Street, exactly, every Tuskegee experiment, you know, everything that has been done by this country to Black people and to minorities it, are are things that have you know put. Added as added an economic disadvantage, and and for people not to see that, you need to help out, and with with pushing to getting everybody now back to the same starting line, if you will. So and until we do that, exactly. you're, you're not gonna, you know, you, you you're almost throwing money at a problem that that or throwing ideas at a problem that it's not gonna get fixed until you actually rectify the other situations, which will take money. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then righting our wrongs is another piece of reparation, uh, which includes an, an apology for such a heinous thing as, as the, the slavery of 
of African um, and African descendants um, in terms of oppression. So there's also that lens of making sure that we're we're taking ownership of, of what we've done as a country so we can move forward um, and to continue that healing process. So that's why I love I love the idea of reparations and I love the, the idea of moving our country forward in that way. And I literally, I mean, we're on the same wavelength because I was literally about to say, and we need to apologize. Um, because we unfortunately, and we have to one, one of the things yeah. that if you can't, the, one of the vast differences between liberals and conservatives, in my opinion, um, it, and there's many, but one of the biggest ones yeah. is our view on apologies. You know, a lot yeah. of times conservatives will only think that the only being that one has to apologize to or repent to is to their deity. Um, but everything else is they view it as a sign of weakness. And liberal-minded people, we view the ability to um, to apologize, understand and recognize the wrongdoing that was done and not only apologizing it but working to fix it, that's a strength, not a weakness. So exactly. that's, to me, one of the biggest things that differentiates us, uh, the two sides, I guess, of the, of the aisle. Um, healthcare, again, no big surprise. Medicare for all, single-payer healthcare. Um, I was, you know, maybe over the last couple of years, more of a I'm fine with incrementalism as long as it does certain things. But as I've seen, again, how more abuses that take place within the system, that's just untenable. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, we, can, we can do it wholesale if we have the will to do it wholesale. So. Exactly, exactly. Incrementalism. Um, I think there's a time and a place for incrementalism. But in what we're going through in our country right now is, requires bold actions that's going to protect each and every one of us um, and, and ensure that we can live with dignity uh, in a way that progresses the country uh, forward. So uh, yeah, that's what that's the way I look at uh, at um, incrementalism. And when when it pertains to to healthcare, um, look, we got people dying uh, right now because they're they they're making the decision on whether or not they they should go to the hospital or or feel like they're going to go into debt. And that's just right. for one of the wealthiest countries in in the world. That's just that's just 100% unacceptable. We we can't continue to live like that as a country, if we're going to continue to be one of the wealthiest countries in, in the world. Um, right. I, I myself, when I was in college, um, had a stint in the hospital, um, and I had health insurance through the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. But guess what? Once I got out of the hospital, and a few weeks later, I, I received a, a medical bill um, that I could not afford, and that turned into uh, debt and per- a per- perpetuation of more debt as I tried to climb out of debt. And it's a, right. the former President Barack Obama says it best when it says it's extremely expensive uh, to be poor uh, and to be in debt. And that's exactly what I experienced. Um, and that's why I'm in support of, of policies like Medicare for All that protects us all um, and provides health care as a, as a human right um, and, and not just a privilege. Um, and that's, right. that's what we're fighting for in this campaign, and that's what the whole entire country needs to fight for. Because when you're dealing with health care, it's not a, a matter of, of if you'll engage with the, with the healthcare uh, uh, system, it's a matter of when you'll engage with the uh, with the healthcare sentence and uh, system. And when, when it pertains to your health, you don't have a D or an R next to your name if you get drastically sick. So we all need to be on the same page in terms of just making sure that we're taking care of one another. 
Right. And unfortunately, they, they put too much of a poison pill on the whole affordable. Well, you know, they say, oh, Obamacare is bad, but I like the Affordable Care Act. You know, people who are just just so <laughs> trained to, Language. to to just hate everything <laughs> that, you know, and not even understand what they're talking about. But I mean, even even right. on issues like, you know, you have to reach for what you really, really want in order to get something that you want, you know, in politics. Like exactly. one of the biggest mistakes, like on 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 wages and, and paying a fair wage. Uh, is that you know if you want to get to fifteen dollars an hour, you don't start at fifteen an hour, you start at twenty two an hour, which is what it really should be. But if you if you you know take yeah. into account of inflation, but if you want to get to fifteen, you start at twenty two and then you work backwards from there. You know, so if you know you need to you know you need to put more than what you're pushing for, not less. And that was one of the biggest problems with the Affordable Care Act was we were, we started from the, from what we minimally wanted, and then I think we worked backwards from there lost the public option, lost a whole bunch of other um, needed parts of the bill. And I don't think, you know, I don't think it would have passed then, but I think we, we have, as we're seeing, you know, with, with more young people running for office, with more progressive people running for office. And one of the things that I think is, is best is that, you know, I love the fact that entrenched, long-serving Democrats are being challenged um, by people like yourself, because, you know, in, in states like, you know, states like Colorado, for example, you know, I'm fine with the fact, that, you know, maybe everybody get behind Hickenlooper now that he's decided to do the right thing and run for the Senate, because that's flipping a seat. But once you have right. the seat, push those people more to the left to make sure that we can have more progressive policy issues, um, which I guess brings exactly. us to um, your, you are challenging incumbent Bobby Rush, correct? Correct. Okay. And uh, so obviously, you know, if he was doing everything that you felt that he needed to do, um, you would obviously would support him and not, and not, you know, try and challenge somebody who you felt was doing the right thing. I mean, you know, that would be silly for anybody. If, if, if I have a politician that I love, I'm not going to say, oh, but I want to challenge you anyway. So um, not to make this all about him, I guess, but or mostly should be mostly about you. But what, what, you know, what, what do you think the areas that he's weakest, that he is, you know, maybe failing to to listen to the the people in his district, or you know, what is he failing to do to that that where he needs to be replaced? Absolutely, um, and I said it uh, more recently in a Teen Vogue article uh, that we were featured in um, that. I'm not one of those politicians that will tell you that I never planned on running for public office, um, but I am a, the type of politician that will tell you that I had no clue I was going to feel compelled to run at 26 years old, two years into my marriage. Uh, and right. the, part of the reason why I decided to run for, for office um, in opposition to Bobby Rush is his inadequacies here in the district. Um, and also just the things he's done in, while in Congress that has actually pushed our district and our country backwards. Uh, for example, back in 1994, Bobby Rush voted for the disastrous uh, crime bill, which perpetuated cycles of violence and poverty within our communities. Um, a lot of Democrats were wrong, um, and I think that most of them were well-intentioned. Uh, so we would have given Bobby Rush a pass, um, but 25 years later, he supported policies um, on, on the municipal level um, that would bring $50 million in drone surveillance on the south and west sides of Chicago in an effort to reduce crime. All research points to 
drone surveillance and surveillance of communities does nothing but further exasperating cycles of poverty and, and violence, and it militarizes and criminalizes our communities. And this is all right. while we're, we're trying to make our communities more safe, and we have someone who is supposed to represent our voices, our interests, advocating for a dystopian future that would do nothing but harm us. In addition to that, he's one of those Democrats that has been taking money from corporate PACs and the fossil fuel industry, all while the first congressional district has some of the highest levels of asthma, and Illinois as a whole has some of the, the highest levels of toxic zones in our country. He's taken money from the fossil fuel industry. I myself am someone who suffered from uh, and lives with asthma, and that's exactly why we need to replace folks that are taking money from these dirty special interests and put the key, give the keys to the house back to the people. Um, Bobby Rush has lost proximity to our, our issues. Back when Bobby Rush was an activist um, in Illinois, he started a free breakfast program in which we are so thankful for him. And we acknowledge on our campaign that we stand on the shoulders of giants. And when we talk about healthcare and gun violence prevention and criminal justice reform and environmental justice, we know that we're not the first generation to talk about it, but we are fighting to make this one of the last generations that have to talk about it. But Bobby Rush hasn't started a food, uh, uh, free breakfast program in quite a long time. He hasn't addressed gun violence from his root causes in quite a long time. Um, and we're not looking for a new Bobby in this district. I want to make that extremely clear. But we, what we are looking for is a new movement in the first congressional district of Illinois, one that includes every single person in this district and pushes us forward um, with compassion and innovation. Uh, and that's what this campaign is about. It's not just about being anti-Bobby. It's about being for ending gun violence within our lifetimes and making this the very last generation to be faced with everyday gun violence. And looking at his, uh, looking at some articles, he, he has seemed to have a little bit some uh, issues as well um, that, that, that have popped up over the years. So um, not one of the most ethical folks. Absolutely. 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 When it um so we typically, um, can you said not, I missed the first part of that, uh, that phrase, uh, Dan, if you can repeat that. Oh, I said sure he's not answering. one of, not uh, one of the most ethical folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's under, um, he's constantly under ethics exams by the house. Um, but we, we typically, um, focus more on like the things he's doing wrong and like in terms of like policies, um, and then what the money he's taken from, uh, from corporate packs and the fossil fuel industry. Um, and, and, that's what people in, around this district um, truly care about because it's in direct opposition to the interests of our people. Exactly. Well, we're getting up towards the end of the hour. Um, and so do you want any final words uh, before I let you go? Absolutely. 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 So first of all, thank you so much, Dan, for having us on your, uh, on your, on your show. Like I said, at the very beginning, this means the world to us. I just want your viewers to know that what we are fighting for is gun violence prevention. We want every single law-abiding citizen in this country, whether you are a staunch Second Amendment rights supporter um, or you hate guns, we want everybody talking about how they are a gun violence prevention advocate. Because the, the honest-to-God truth is we all have to be on the same talking points when it comes to protecting our communities uh, from, from a lens of uh, taking all these progressive issues to converge to gun violence. Uh, so if you're all about making your families and your friends and your community stronger and more safe and more prosperous and peaceful, uh, then this is a campaign for you. 
And I would implore you to check out our website at robertemmons.org um, and get involved, time to volunteer, contribute. Again, we're not taking a single dime from any corporate PAC or the pharmaceutical industry or the fossil, or the fossil fuel industry um, because we are all about making the people of the first congressional district's uh, lives better, more prosperous, and free. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much again. You have a good rest of your day. And again, open invitation to make announcements as you want to make and hopefully – uh, also an open invitation to come on the show to celebrate your victory as well. So thank you so much. Let's do it. March 17th, 2020. Absolutely. Keep in touch. Uh, good luck. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Right, and again, that's uh, Robert Emmons, robertemmons.org. Uh, you can also follow, follow him on Twitter as well. Uh, you can follow us. It's, uh... Hold on a second. <laughs> it's Emmons 2020 R-E-M-M-O-N-S-2020 uh, at Twitter as well. And you, if you go to Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, uh, you'll be able to see that I've uh, retweeted from his page as well as some other pages of candidates that I've had on the show as well. So, again, this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Uh, we will be back next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central to talk about more issues uh, facing us uh, each every day and hopefully bring on more candidates as well. Again, you can follow me at liberaldan. My phone says liberaldan.com, at liberaldan radio on Twitter, facebook.com slash liberaldan as well. Until next week, this is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.